Welcome once again to the Irish NFL podcast brought to you in association with Titan Roofing. As always, I'm Mark Cockrell, joined by my cohorts in crime, Brian O'Leary and Gordon Bridgefield. Gentlemen, good evening to you tonight. Evening, Mark. Evening, Mark. So, gents, we've had a, a very busy week five in the NFL, busy in terms of rescheduling games left, right and centre, but busy in terms of action as well. Um you know, I, I kind of looked at it this week as it's like a, a an episode of some bad Western movies or reminds me a lot of the uh, the Wild Wild West. So we'll get on to, I don't know, Cowboys and indeed, I can't say Indians, so I'll just say the Washington football team uh, in due course. But, um, you know, any immediate things that jumped out to either of you from the weekend, like big kind of themes that you felt were worth mentioning? I don't know where you're going, so Mark, have you got something lined up for us? Um, again, I just think we're seeing that, again, a lot of high-scoring games, games going down to the, the wire, but I think I must be missing something here this evening. Have you got something lined up for me? Uh, no, not necessarily. I just, uh, I mean, I thinking of the Cowboys, I think a Cowboy theme, I think everything this weekend links back to bad Western movies. Um we had the Chargers and the Saints, for example. Um, you know, great primetime game. And like Justin Herbert, for me, was like, he's like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Quick and the Dead, if you remember this. He's the the pretty gunslinger. He's got the shiny six-shooter. He's got the, I mean, he's got the prettiest deep ball I've seen in the NFL for many a year. I mean, the kids got it. But what happens to DiCaprio in that movie? He ends up dead. And somehow Chargers fans, I mean, sorry, the Chargers fan, um, they, you know, it always ends up bad for you. And um, somehow Anthony Lynn and the Chargers conspire to lose another game. Um, you know, that's actually, Brian, you know why they hated so much that Philip Rivers left the LA Chargers, don't you? Go on and enlighten me. Oh, it's when, when he took his wife and his eight kids, the percentage drop in their season tickets was immense. Basically, <laughs> okay. We'll stick, we'll stick to the point of the game, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Another, another tough defeat for the Chargers. They uh, jumped out to a seventeen-point lead, similar enough to the, how they did last week in Tampa. To be honest, even when they had that field goal to win it, I just didn't honestly believe he was going to he was going to get it. Unfortunately, they hit the post. But the Saints are on borrowed time at the moment. They're not playing well. Breeze just doesn't look the quarterback of old. His throws are very inconsistent, and uh, they got away with it. They the win, and but I think it's coming. Someone's going to give them a proper going over soon enough. Yeah, the D line was giving the Chargers O line all kinds of fits, which was probably keeping them in the day game. But it was like the hounds of hell uh, at times for poor Herbert. But um, I say that because we're talking about Herbert, and he was a bit of a you know it was almost like a young gun sling, a lot of confidence there. One of the games of the week, I think uh, we'd agree, guys was actually the Steelers versus the Eagles. And we're talking about, you know, we're talking about cowboy characters, the big bad Ben rolling into town against the Philadelphia Eagles and Steelers coming out with the win. But it's uh, it's not necessarily big bad Ben's story this weekend, guys. It's a little man by the name of Claypool um, who's lost onto the scene, the Notre Dame product. 
Yeah, not, not not much of a small man, to be honest. He's 6'4", I think, something like that. He was more of a, a tight end coming out of college is what people were rating him. And I remember we did a preview show. We went through this. Uh, we looked at the draft class for the Steelers, and we were wondering, was Chase Claypool, you know, was where was he going to play? And everyone thought he was going to basically support Eric Ebron and Vince McDonald. But he played a stormer. He hit a four four five in his 40-yard dash, so he is quick. And we saw that at the weekend and came away with four touchdowns, three uh Passing touchdowns and one or three receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown and 110 yards. So yeah, what a game! What a what a game for a rookie wide receiver. I think what's lost in the game because Claypool is getting so much, uh, I suppose, media and, and rightly so because of the, the performance and the four touchdowns is the fact that the Eagles actually came back very well in this game. They were 31, 14 down late in the third quarter and rallied and came back and had a field goal opportunity with three minutes to go. To go in the lead and look, they didn't make the field goal and they left the Steelers with some great field uh, in terms of where they were. They left them on the 50 and obviously he had a, the touchdown, the hammer. They put the hammer down with the four touchdown for for uh, Claypool. But the Eagles haven't won last week. You know, they did themselves justice in that game. They played, played well enough. Uh, see, but again, you say, you say that, Brian, but if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, like, you know, we didn't lose a single quarter there. You know, we didn't lose a quarter against the Eagles in that game. Carson Wentz threw two interceptions. And I just, I think the Steelers are playing football where they just know how to grind out wins and Big Ben isn't doing anything flashy. We keep saying it, but he threw no interceptions, three touchdowns, didn't have a phenomenal game yards-wise, but again, didn't do a huge amount wrong either. And I think it's just interesting to see how the Steelers are playing uh, this season. Even on the rushing side, everyone is contributing in the, the backfield. So I'm fairly high on the Steelers. I do think we we blitz a lot, which was one thing I noticed at the weekend. Um, which is Def- Defense is shaky. Defense shake, yeah. Big points to Texans at home and big points this week. Yeah, I think there's an over reliance on the blitz factor within the Steelers for some reason at the moment. But look, to be honest, I think overall as a team, they seem to be playing quite well in 4 0. It's not a bad way to be. Uh, Carson Wentz still, two of his interceptions were very bad. They were, they were. 4 0. I mean, the Steelers, even though they went 15 and 1 in Roethlisberger's rookie season, it's actually the first time they've been 4 0 since the time of Chuck Noll and Terry Bradshaw. Um, so for such a storied franchise, starting fast isn't in their nature. They head up probably the most competitive um, division in football at the moment. They're four and zero, Ravens and Browns, which we'll come to at four and one, and the Eagles, of course, are in the least competitive division in football for all eternity. Um, stat of the week, gentlemen. We could go with many stats, but I will go with two thirteen and one. Um, that that isn't two thirteen and one. By the way, that isn't just like a normal Detroit Lions uh, season. Uh, that is actually the record of the NFC East in games which are not against each other. So as a division, they're four fifteen and one. But let's just take out the games where they can't help but one of them to win. Two thirteen and one. Rather rather startling facts um, and rather disturbing. Um. But let's continue on. So um, much to be seen, and I agree with Brian. Look, let's see how the Steelers pan out when they play against the Texans and the the challenge there, even though the Texans, we know, have their own issues. Um, Another primetime game that people might have missed late on uh, was the Vikings and Seahawks game. Um, Do we like that? Well, not if you're a Vikings fan, because, again, they managed to throw away uh, a, a great opportunity to make a, a pre- impression and um, Seahawks eat that win 27-26 in the end God if you're a Vikings fan you must be disgusted to be honest um, 
how they haven't how they haven't kicked that field goal at the end. I know it's 14 inches. I know you got an opportunity to put the game away. But you've got to take the field goal. Put yourself up by eight points. And what's the worst case scenario? They they drive down, score a touchdown, and they get an, and they get the two point conversion. They still get overtime. The yeah. um, it's a disastrous, disastrous there is no, they talk about analytics. There is no analytics in the world which actually justifies the decision-making that they went through for that particular play. And bear in mind, you're doing it on a play and an arrangement where your top running back is already out for the game. But the, guy, the guy who came in had a very good game, in fairness, but still, you've got to take the field goal. Yeah, Madison, yeah. Madison had a great game, but again, you know, it's back to the Cowboys. It's back to the Wild Wild West. Mm. The henchman was down. And it's like the evil overlord who knows his plan. It's almost like in a bad cowboy movie or a bad James Bond movie, wants to explain his plan. Kirk Cousins was there and thinking, I'm 13 nil up on the road at the Seahawks. We're doing well. We're winning the game. I need to make this a bit more interesting. So do you know what I'm going to do? On back-to-back offensive plays, I'm going to do a fumble, which leads immediately to a Seahawks touchdown. And then I'll throw a pick with the very next play I touch the ball on. It's almost as bad as the Browns' three turnovers in three plays against the Pats last year. But two and two was the downfall to begin there. But they still should have won that game. Yeah, but I think I think the interesting call on a four and one is that that's the new way of the NFL. And again, if you listen to the PFF podcast, the stats is what's dictating Zimmer going with that call. They the no. old school old no. school. It is, no. it, it, Mark. It is. If you look at old school coaches now, we're seeing that statistically, you have you more than likely will convert a four and one like that, and that's why he went for it. Is in he, like, it, Goldo, Goldo, Goldo. There is the statistics as to when you can, you know, the probability of converting a four and one, and it is in the high percentages. Don't get me wrong. I think it ranks at about something like sixty three percent on normal conversion rates, but the game situation dictates that the analytical basis of actually making that play and trying to play on is infinitely worse. Like the Pythagorean theory as to what the optimum play was, was absolutely not that. In fact, punting, even in the situation they were in, was more preferable in terms of an actual increased win expectancy level. No, so, I'm, I'm just glad we brought some stats into our podcast. I felt it was an upgrade for us lads this week. Uh, he's he's flying tonight because he's not only has he mentioned two films I've never heard of. Now he's getting into theories from back in my maths days. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we will we'll we'll keep on. Um, we'll get it back on track then. <laughs> I got you there, good. Go on. <laughs> Which is a good old-fashioned shootout. And many games often qualify in that regard, especially in the inflative offensive explosion we've been having lately. I mean, let's face it, offenses have been exploding so much it looks like a teenage boy's bedroom at times in the NFL each week. But the Raiders versus the Chiefs was a classical uh, offensive masterpiece in many ways. Just we weren't perhaps expecting the Raiders to come on top. Ultimately, they won 40-32. And guys, I have two main points about this. Number one is... I feel that people have overlooked the fact, of course, the Raiders in some ways won. Their season was on the line. If they lost this game, they were going to two and three, Chiefs at five and oh, you know, very tight and difficult in wild cards in, in the AFC, it looks like this year. A lot of decent teams chasing, and they wouldn't have even had a chance. So this was a little bit do or die for them. Um, and the second point is look, it's really entertaining when the Chiefs are down big because it was almost like you saw Red Zone didn't want to cut away from them when they were down 40-24, but 
because if there's any team that could score twice really quickly and get two two-point conversions, it's probably the Chiefs. So an entertaining game. Raiders well deserved the win. Uh, Chucky is making some magic happen. At least they're still in good position for a wild card, even though I still think the Chiefs are obviously going to walk the FC West. I think this was one of those games. We said it in the preseason when it came to the Raiders. They drafted in a certain fashion because there is only one way to take on the Chiefs, and that is you have to outscore them on offense with 30 of these points and hope that your defense turns up. And again, the Chiefs still scored their 30-odd points, just the Raiders just had a phenomenal day. And I think one addition, and me and Brian have talked about this, is your man Henry Ruggs and his addition to the to the offense. He only had two touches for 118 yards, but he's adding a dimension to Derek Carr that just didn't exist before the season, which is that long over-the-top ball. Um, it was a great game to watch, really enjoyable. Henry Ruggs reminds me of Tyreek Hill. He looks like for like uh, in my mind. Uh, and yeah, Derek Carr is playing really good football at the moment. So great game for the Raiders and they needed this win. And I think if they do progress and make it any way into the playoffs at all, it will be this win is probably the catalyst that did that for them. Yeah, God was spot on there. We discussed it earlier in the, in the preseason podcast that we felt the only way to, to beat the Chiefs is beat them at their own game and go, go with them. Uh, drive for drive and Raiders did it in terms of you know bringing in wide receivers they also brought in the wide receiver in Torbjorn Brian Edwards that seems to be doing well as well but obviously Ruggs is getting all the attention but yeah it's a big win and uh, it'll be interesting to see how now they, they come on from that win because Raiders being the Raiders when they get a big win they tend to quickly lose a silly game that they, you'd expect them to win so we'll see yeah, they've been up for the big games, beating the Saints, beating the Chiefs now, but, you know, they're pretty abject losing to the Pats and they didn't think the Pats were very good. So I agree, the up-and-down roller coaster for Raiders fans and Raider Nation will continue. Um, you know, so talking there also about two really interesting quarterbacks, Mahomes, who's beloved, if you like, and obviously the, the, the amazing talent, Derek Carr, who people still haven't necessarily warmed to or figured out as to whether he's a solution. He is now the most, he's thrown for more touchdowns now than any other quarterback in Raiders history. Overtook Jim Plunkett there last week as well. So, um, Chucky hasn't quite ruined him yet, like he has every other quarterback he's ever worked with. He's done his best. He's done his best to ruin him, but it's, he's still hanging in there. He's trying. Proven, he's proven. He's proven Chucky wrong because I don't like general general thoughts were from the media is that he wanted to move Carr on and he had his own ideas, but he's stuck with him and he's he's proven him wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm proving him right for keeping him. One of the one of the other. Well, anybody that can win a, a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson, you know, doesn't necessarily believe or need high-quality quarterbacks uh, to win. Well, they did have Warren Sapp and uh, amazing run game in, in uh, Tampa at that stage. But, um, yeah, Derek Carr, it feels like a horror movie. I mean, Chucky comes from child's play, so um, there's a horror movie for quarterbacks generally. I want to keep coming the film references, Brian. Uh, keep coming. Yeah, I know that one, Mark. You're grand. Come on. <laughs> 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 so look, I mean, you know, and thinking of films and again, cowboy films, um, you know, many people have compared Tom Brady at times almost like to uh, Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven, the old lawman coming back for one final battle. Well, you know, last Thursday night when they played the Bears, the Bucks were a bit more like the Wild Wild West, which was Will Smith's big, expensive summer flop one year. Um, 
Bucks heavily favoured going into the game. Yes, they were dealing with some injuries, including OJ Howard, but you know, uh, I'm afraid three and two, uh, the Bucks dropping a game. It's not quite like a complete flop on the season, but everybody expected them to win that game, and certainly um, everybody expected better manners from Mr. Brady in not shaking hands with Nick Foles at the end of that game. The Mark, I was just thinking at the weekend. I'm, I'm 40, 40 odd now, and you know, I'm fortunate that when I do watch the NFL, it pops up on the screen which downer is. Which is good for us, you know, because we're watching the game and we like to know which down the driver's on. And then I was thinking it must be difficult for the player. But then I remembered that they have this little little checker on the sideline that has a hold up the down for them, you know. And then it says one, and then it says two, three and four. But then Brady obviously has amended the rules since he went to the books because he he gets five downs, you know. And but, but but when you've got that many world championship rings, Brian, you're allowed to decide what down it is. Do you not oh, know this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I read it tonight. Here's a very interesting one. In the in his, all his years when he was in New England, in terms of flags, it's it's an unusual one because the major adjustment that Brady has to work with is that in this few games for Tampa, he's had a hundred penalty yards in in one loss. He hadn't had that in five weeks. Sorry, he hadn't had that in sixteen years with the Patriots. Yeah. <laughs> so. He's obviously just not getting used to his new surroundings and, and he's not getting used to figuring out how to get five yards. And then, well, he... I, Yeah, I think there's there's a couple of other things. I think there's definitely going to be a bust up down the line between himself and Arians as well in terms of the way Bruce Arians is coming out with comments about Tom Brady. I think we all know Tom Brady doesn't like to be called out and was hoping for more of a yes sir, no sir, three bags full sir from Arians and he's getting slagged week in, week out just you know, it just—it's a strange dynamic down there at the moment. But yeah, they're killing themselves with penalties. People are going down injured. Mike Evans is out there hobbling around. He's not even playing. Probably Chris Godwin is injured, and then OJ Howard has gone for the season. So yeah, it's a uh, Evans shouldn't be playing to be honest. No, he's well, injured. He's he's one hundred percent injured. He's yeah. he's literally trying to his best, but he, he can't even turn on his leg. You know, they've got a big game this weekend. The pack. It's gonna be some game. Yeah, I mean, they're still top of their division, uh, just, obviously, along with the Saints. But, um, yeah, they, they need to eke out a win there in that space. So um, we will see how it continues to transpire. But, like, Brady's not going to blow up with Bruce Arians. He's put up with 20 years with Bill Belichick internally. He's not going to suddenly explode at Bruce Arians. So we'll wait and see on that one. Um but uh, look, I mean, the rest of the division, uh, the rest of the NFL, like this weekend, it's a bit like the same as always. It's like the classical Western movie, the good, the bad and the ugly. You know, if we want to talk about the good, talk about the Dolphins and the Rams getting great wins, ultimately, in their, in their games. Um, Dolphins, very unexpectedly. You want to talk about the bad? Well, you can always talk about the Jets and the Bengals. Um, you know, Bengals, unfortunately, after their first win under... Joe Burrow end up with a paltry three points and, you know, Joe Flacco replacing Sam promise. It's not mono this time being injured. Donald um, got blown off the park by the cards, 30, 10, but then you have to talk about the ugly. And if you want to talk about the really ugly, you know, we can talk about Washington now with their third choice quarterback and only scoring 10 points. We could talk about the 49ers losing 43, 17 to those dolphins but we could definitely talk about the Atlanta Falcons going 0-5 and, and finally, slash, obviously, uh, eventually firing our, our good friend, um, Tan Quinn there. 
not, not, not even just getting rid of Dan Quinn, getting rid of uh, Dimitrov as well, the GM, yeah, the, 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 the deadly duo are gone together. Um, and again, don't forget, Dimitrov is the one that brought in Dan Quinn. He's the one that uh, drafted uh, Ryan as well. So it was a big call to chop it all down from right from the top to the bottom. And then they've also gotten rid of, I think they've gotten rid of their defensive coordinator was also let go. Um, so yeah. yeah, a lot of changes there. To be honest, I, I don't know what's going on with the Atlanta Falcons because we've seen offensively they have some serious weapons, but they just can't defend. But also, I do think it no, don't no slide on Carolina. Matt Rule and the guys, they're actually playing quite well at the moment. Three, win, three wins in a row. Um, yeah, so the, yeah. Matt Rule seems to be certainly making a good impression there. Just to jump back to the, uh, the Falcons, interesting enough, um, on one of their local stations, or I think even on the Falcons' uh, internal television st- channel, uh, Arthur Blank last night said he wasn't ruling out moving on from Matt Ryan because obviously he's conscious that the next general manager will come in and the way things are shaping up, they may be in a situation where there's four or five good quarterbacks coming coming through next year in the draft and they might decide that, do you know what, it's the right time to just move on. The, the Falcons actually have, I think it's an extraordinary amount, like 52% of their cap space tied up in five players. You know, when you consider uh, Matt Ryan, but Julio Jones, you know, et cetera, it's, it's, it's an extraordinary amount. So, yeah, it could be a complete clean house season and approach. Matt Ryan's one of those people I know people love to hate because he's probably going to end up with nearly all the quarterback records uh, known to man just on his current projections and age and if he continues at normal velocity. But except for that one MVP season and the throwing away Super Bowl, what's he done when it's really mattered? Uh, and what's he done even in wins generally? It's been... They, they, they could be tanking for Lawrence, you know. Um, it wouldn't be a bad place if, more for Trevor Lawrence. I'm just praying to God he doesn't go to the Jets. Um, so if, so if the Falcons could, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I'd say he's looking at the Falcons saying, lads, please just keep losing because the Falcons or the Giants would probably be the two places he'd, he'd much prefer to go to than, uh, than the old New York Jets. And, and actually, you great point by you, Gordo, about calling him out Dimitrov. I mean, not only did he draft for Ryan, but he made that massive power move in trading in all the chips to jump up from the 20s to pick number five to take Julio Jones back in the day as well. So, I mean, he, you know, been a power broker there for many years, ex director of pro personnel in um, the Patriots and featured in the kind of the books about war room with Pioli, Dimitrov, and Belichick, um, who set the dynasty in the well, the first Patriots dynasty, not the second one, the first one. Um, or do we call it the ever-continuing one? I'm trying to remember. No, any, But um, we're also talking about ugly. Not many people call Jimmy GQ uh, ugly. He's a pretty good-looking quarterback, but every single thing about the way he played on Sunday was pretty damn ugly. I'm not sure that he was ready to come back, to be honest. You know, they kind of... Um, I think they rushed him back you know last Wednesday he was touching goal when he was going to play and he was clearly wasn't ready for it because his performance was off the cliff against the Dolphins but in fairness to the Dolphins they played really well you know offensively because you can talk about the Garoppolo situation how poorly he played but like how many drives did Fitzpatrick put together you know and he was really balling he was balling around and he was putting nice nice juice on the, on the, the passes down the field and that 49ers defense that is banged up just couldn't just couldn't, couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it We're out. Talking about the good Raiders and the bad Raiders and the roller coaster they go on. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick between games, even between quarters, it's like a roller coaster. Is it going to be good Fitzpatrick or 
Pitzpatrick. Pitzpatrick, you know, it's it's a different. I, I like the Dolphins at the start of the year, and they are where they're expecting to, to be in terms of their winning games. They've got the Jets this weekend. They should be three and three by the by yeah. the uh, bit of weekend, and uh, they're depending on how the Patriots get on against the Broncos this weekend. Like they're up there with an opportunity in the division. Yeah, I'm. Um, Brian, actually, I mean, we're talking about ugly and, you know, we have to unfortunately talk about the NFC least again. And the Giants and Cowboys game could be called ugly in many ways. I mean, certainly there was a massive ugly injury in the game. Yeah, you're right there. Uh, Lorenzo Carter uh, tore his, um, his Achilles for the, for the Giants on the first drive. Very unfortunate. He's out for the season. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was unfortunate to lose him so early in the game. But played well in the game and we had a chance at the end to win. Well, yeah. what, were you, what were you referring to, Mark? I, I forgot that was the main talking point of that game. Jesus, how, how, how there's nothing else really, was there? What did, injury, I, what injury you referring to, Mark? You, you're right, Gordo. I didn't hear anybody mention anything else after that game other than. I, I, you know, I heard, I heard some, so, so, something about the return of the ginger rocket, but that's about <laughs> it, you know? Yeah, Red Rocket, Andy Dalton stepping in uh, for the unfortunate Dak Prescott, who's out for the season. Um, you know, out for the season, sitting on his 31 million. And the general suggestion is the the Cowboys might be forced almost to franchise him again next year. So don't cry for Dak too much. Obviously, we all uh, hope he recovers well from his injury, but uh, not, serious not, derail the Cowboys season. Yeah, definitely not going to cry. As in, I haven't been high up on the Cowboys all season. You guys have been. Um, but I'm not going to cry for him because I think like, he's going to get screwed in, initially or at some point because... If the Cowboys keep losing, they can make a decision at the end of the year. Like they're in a power power position. This is what happens with players when you look for your money and try and secure. Because yeah, he might get franchise tagged for I think thirty seven million, but it's again it's a massive decision with the cap potentially lowering or coming down for next season due to the pandemic. So this could be a massive talking point next season. Well, the chips were were in his favor leading up to the weekend's game because he albeit they've been not playing losing games, but they've still been putting up. Some very good points, and he's played very well. But you take that gamble if you don't sign the contract and you, you yeah. go on the tag, and it's worked out. Jerry Jones is on the right side of it now, and he's not going to get that contract next year. He's going to have to do another year in which he's going to have to come back and prove that he's fully fit. Um, but it was a look, it was a horrific injury for him. And uh, yeah, and just to the point of Dalton, if you, if you just want to make one, one point of Dalton, sorry, Mark. when we did a podcast during preseason, we we're discussing. Backup quarterbacks, and I said, "Mark my word, Dalton will play this year, and he'll win yeah. games." And don't because he's not as he's not about as quarterback as people think. Yeah, and, and actually, I remember that conversation because we were talking about the impacts of COVID and the fact that the backup quarterback situation could be important. And we actually called out at the time Dalton and Flacco. Now Flacco, yeah, not so much. Mm-hmm. Dalton came in, and yes, he did a bit a few Ange Dalton esque pieces, but he's got more talent to work with in that Cowboys. Um, power units and uh, offensive weapons than he ever had, even with uh, obviously AJ Green in place, but he ever had in Cincinnati. So let's see how he'll do. But to me, the shift has definitely moved that the Eagles should be considered the favourites in that division. Um, two really strong performances last two weeks against good, well, what we thought was a good team in the 49ers and what's definitely a good team in the Steelers. So we'll see. Um, but Jen's also like um, one of my favorite, actually, old Western movies um, that was since been made into a TV series was actually Westworld. 
And you remember the basic plot of Westworld, if you haven't seen it on HBO, Brian, since about the robots eventually evolving and taking over the Western town. Um, I feel like a robot listening to these films, Mark, to be honest. Gordo, you're a Steelers fan, but we've often lamented and commented on the fact you have many multiple teams. And it feels like this season, maybe your secondary team, the robots, are going to take over the town and they're going to rule the world. The Cleveland Browns, I said it last week, they're 3-1. and one. I couldn't believe I've seen it. This week, 4-1. and 4-1 one. and one for the first time since the Bill Belichick era. Like, this has exactly. never... Who's that? This this is this is one of those results. But again, sorry, before we get on to the Browns, because to be honest, I'm not even playing that well from a Baker Mayfield standpoint. Indianapolis Colts, old man rivers, put him out to pasture, just get rid of him, shoot him, do whatever, just get rid of the man. He cannot play. The two interceptions he threw in that game were some of the worst throws I've ever seen in my life. And I just while we we're waiting here, I checked the roster and I forgot that Jacoby Brissett is still there. I say even throw in their rookie, your man Jacob Eason. Put anybody in instead of Old Man Rivers because he is shocking. But anyway, back to the Browns. Yeah, four and one. Uh, again, like Mayfield came out after the game and said it was probably one of his worst games he's played this season. Um, so he feels, not that he was shocked, but again, it just shows you the strength of the team because they're all carrying Mayfield at the moment. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, um, Hunt is playing really well at running back. Uh, and then... Garrett is playing phenomenally well in defense. So, yeah, look, 4-1. and one. First time we've ever said it, see can they keep going. But, yeah, they're playing some decent football. But Mayfield is definitely – he's a bit rocky at the moment. He's not what we would have expected from his rookie season. I said last I said last week when we were doing our picks that I felt this was probably the most important game the Browns have had for arguably 10 years. You know, in terms of people are starting to latch on to them. A lot of people latched on to them last year. It didn't play out. As expected, but they've got a good offense defensively. They got the players there. It's just a case of putting it all together. And uh, yeah, it was in one of those games in years past. The Browns, the Browns were throwing that game away because it looked like they had the game sewn up, and then they give away a special teams touchdown off the kickoff return. And you think, oh, here we go again. The Browns are letting the calls back in, but they just they did enough in the end, and it's a big win, big win for them. I think Stefanski is is tailoring the offense to Baker Mayfield and you're seeing that in terms of getting him into form, not relying on him throwing deep balls. Um and yeah, they're just playing as a better unit, I think, which we've never seen the Browns do. And they're getting they're getting the Kareem Hunt that we saw in 2017, the one that was drafted by the Chiefs. The one that went into Foxborough on the opening night and scored a couple of touchdowns. That was a really enjoyable night. So um you know he he's back to the player that we we expect to see. And they've still got Nick Chubb to come back in as well, obviously. He's not expected to be out for the season. Um, we should mention the Texans won a game. I don't really want to because they're still pathetic, but they did win a game against the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Romeo Cornell's magic um, obviously has been sprinkled across them. And, of course, um, we're recording this on the Tuesday night, guys. There's another game of Week 5 still to be completed with the Bills versus the Titans, and we've already given our picks on that. But... Speaking of picks, let's move on to week six. And look, I mean, this is kind of COVID dependent and we'll see what games actually go ahead and when, um, because obviously there's been quite a bit of disruption to the to the schedule for the next while, um, due, especially due to the Titans and the Patriots, uh, inevitably. 
Um, Brian, do you want to start us off there, taking us through the Thursday night game this week? There is no Thursday night game this week, Mary. Thank oh, you. Don't boom. Well, you did say COVID related. No, look, the uh, the game was supposed to be with the Bills at the Chiefs, um, which will be a good game. But uh, I think that's we're on the right side of this game because it's going to be played next Monday night at ten o'clock. Um, exactly. And that's a nice time for any of us to be watching a game, especially after the weekend. But um, yeah. there's no Thursday night game. The first game it will be on Sunday, and that yeah. is the Vikings are home to the Falcons. And the Vikings are getting three and a half points. They're favourites by, um, sorry, the Falcons are getting three and a half points. Falcons, Vikings are home. Um, disappointed the Vikings didn't pull off the win when really they had the game at their, their mercy at the end. But um, I'd expect them still to be strong enough to win this game on Sunday against the Falcons team that just, we don't know what we're going to get from them now, especially with, with Queen gone. So, yeah, Vikings for me to win and cover. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings for this one as well. Um, I'm very, very intrigued about the overs, 55 and a half points. So I do think, I think it'll be a bit of a shootout. I think you'll see each team score at least 30 potentially. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings to, to win and cover as well. I'm going to see, keep saying to myself all week, don't bet on the Vikings, don't bet on the Vikings, don't bet on the Vikings. But I'm going with them to win this game and I'll take, you know, even with the points. Um I mentioned the Houston Texans winning the game. Tennessee Titans obviously ravaged by lots of confusion, misdirection, 23 different COVID positive tests um, the last while. Big divisional game, really, which the Texans need to win if they're going to have any hope of staying alive. Um, Titans still the class act there, but a lot of disruption they've been dealing with. So Houston at Tennessee. Guys, how do you feel? Go um I think this is going to go, well, I'm basing this off the Titans losing tonight um, against the Bills. Um, and I think they will lose. And I think they'll probably take a big hit. But I think they'll come back and they'll beat the Texans. Um, obviously, we don't know what the line is or anything like that yet. But I would imagine that they'll probably win this by a touchdown. So I'm going to go with the Titans against Texans. It's unusual to be picking a game before this team has even played this week. Because you just don't know what the the enormity of what tonight's game will mean in terms of players getting injured and stuff. Like the Titans haven't practised properly in two weeks. I think they've had one session. So how, how NFL-ready can they be tonight against a team that's 4-0 and then expect them to come back on Sunday with less days to repair? Uh, Titans. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I, I can't trust the Houston Texans to tie up their shoelaces, to be honest with you. But for all those reasons you just articulated, Brian, I find myself conflicted on this one entirely. Like, there's the head is saying the Texans almost because of the lack of preparation of the Titans and, you know, too early for a bye week and all of that jazz. But I just think they're a, they're a basket case this season, the Texans. So I'm going to go with the Titans and them banding together. Um, staying in that division though uh, the Colts going to try and bounce back obviously from their disappointing loss uh, against the Browns the weekend they've got the Bungles coming into them um, as long as Old Man Rivers and I do love it Gordo um, doesn't decide to have a complete nervous breakdown uh, for me it's in the all the way uh, I'm going with the Bengals I'm going to get the Bengals at plus seven and a half um, not only just to cover but to actually get the win um, I think plus seven and a half is very decent for the Bengals just with the way the Colts are playing and I just don't trust Rivers I just can't I can't back him can't back him when he's playing I can't back him um, Colts 
Colts to win, but I can I can see where Gordon's going with her. I can see I think seven and a half. That hook makes it difficult, but I just think the Colts defense will have more than enough to kind of hold Burrow in check for the game, similar to what the Ravens did last week, and yeah. the Colts will win. First decent defense he played, he gets three points. Colts are more than a decent defense, but uh, yeah, you could argue he's up against one of the best defenses, American fairness to that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, a hundred percent. And um, you know, look, I mean, they, they, people are going to go through him rookie pains, and maybe he'll bounce back surprisingly. But yeah, as long as uh, Philip doesn't decide to donate some points or more interceptions, like all I was alluding to, his wonderful passes. Um. Denver Broncos then, the, the equally unpracticed New England Patriots. Um, I'm going to pick the Broncos to win this game. Um, Drew Locke is coming back this week. Um, the extra weeks has worked, worked to their favour. He would have played, he, he directly would have played on Monday night. And um, I feel that uh, the Broncos will win the game and cause an upset. Uh, I'm going to go with the Broncos as well in this one. I'm back in Brian because I think just with everything going on in New England, uh, Cam Newton may not be back. Um, I'm assuming Gilmore is not going to be back for it either. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Broncos for this one and Drew Locke. Gordo, are you, have you been watching like too many Rocky movies or Adopting Orphans or something? Is this like underdog of the week for you uh, in relation to it? The Broncos are not winning this game. Yes, Drew Locke might be back, but more importantly, Cam Newton will be back. And the Broncos, if, if not being played at Mile High Stadium, will not win against the New England Patriots. Okay, actually, I should. I lost a touchdown even, and I'll take him. I should caveat that saying if Cam Newton is playing, it changes it, but at the moment, it's not looking like he's going to be playing. It, what is the situation, Mark? Is Cam going to play? I think he will. Um, Belichick, obviously, is being as uh, transparent as you can normally expect with the media. Um, he hasn't practiced so far, he's had various negative tests. Uh, Gilmore obviously has had the more recent positive test. I think he's much more unlikely to play. Um, but all indications would be in accordance with the NFL protocols. Newton would be cleared to play. Um, but he hasn't practiced. He hasn't been in the facility. He hasn't even seen his teammates. So um, depending on how Belichick even feels about that piece. Um, the good okay. thing, I think, in relation to the Chiefs game is he very clearly established, however, that there's no chance of a quarterback controversy uh, arising if comes okay f- okay fair enough fair enough I want to revamp me me pick if Cam plays I'm picking the Broncos oh. <laughs> <laughs> love it love it um speaking of um Crocs and awful quarterbacks uh Daniel Jones and New York Giants are uh facing the Washington football team this weekend in um, the, the the factory of sadness. You know, it's interesting to me, Brian, you realise that the state of New York this season has having a perfect season um, without being beaten. The state of New Jersey, however, is abject altogether. Brian, talk to me. What is happening with Danny Dimes and the New York Giants? And he can't even throw touchdowns at the moment. He's so bad. As in, I, I want to back him, but... Alex Smith is back with the Washington football team. They're talking about trading Dwayne Haskins as well, which is mad. Um, so I'm going to go with the, the Washington football team for this one. Although they did get 34 points last weekend. It was against the Cowboys, but it wasn't abject offensive performance. 27, 27 really, because there was a, there was a pick six. There was a pick six, true. Yeah. He is struggling, yeah. He's struggling. He hasn't progressed from where he, where he ended last year. He is up and down and 
he'll make a great show and you'll think, oh, that's the, that's the player we expect to see and then he'll do something but he'll do something crazy. But uh, in fairness to him, the offensive line it just hasn't hasn't worked. Gettleman has been at this for three years trying to fix it. But in saying that, we've played five games and we've had the ball at the end three games and we could have won. We, well, we've had the opportunity to take a lead and win games. So we've got a pulse. Uh, the Jets, on the other hand, they're dead in their rival. So let's not compare both teams. They might be a 0-5. We're certainly a 0-5 that is playing. Certainly playing for a new coach. You can see that in the team. And there were some nice little uh, plays on, on Sunday. Like we had a, unfortunately, we had a, a lovely special teams touchdown on a fake field goal, which to our own undoing, we we, uh, we shifted, unfortunately. Um, the punter got too excited. But look, we um, I think we'll win this game. In fairness, for minus three, we're the favourites. And we're playing against a poor Washington team. So if we do win this game, we're only one game in over first place. Well, speaking of bad challenges at quarterback, like, I mean, what is going on in Washington? You know, Dwayne Haskins dropped from starter to not even a backup quarterback. Yes, Alex Smith made an appearance after Carl Allen proved completely hopeless. Um, like, they, it seems like, in theory, they've got three decent quarterbacks, but so far they can't even make one out of three of them put together. Um, just on the, the yeah, Kyle Allen obviously got injured and went down the game. And it, funny enough, he was then clear to go back in and they didn't. But I just want to touch on Alex Smith. Obviously, everybody knows the horror story that he's had and the progression to come back. But the first second, which um, the Rams defense got on him, they were literally about to jump on over. And I think they, they recognized the fact that he hadn't been on the field for two years. So they just give him a bit of a piggyback. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think he saw, he saw the guys running at him. He was like, oh, God. But he got sacked about two or three times after that as well. Um, with the Washington football team, like we talked about Ron Riviera coming in, changing the culture, changing the dynamic. And maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe he's just clearing out the deadwood of past decisions made before his time. But literally the rumor is today that they're looking to trade Dwayne Haskins. So he's gone from starter to third pick to now being wanted to be traded, or to, for the team wanting to trade him. So, yeah, it's it's a minefield in Washington at the moment. Um, yeah, look, no, look, a lot of people weren't, weren't happy with Haskins last year, and he got drafted by the Redskins, and everyone thought it was a bit of a bit of a risk, and I think it's proven out to be that way, that he's just not the player that people yeah. expected from coming out of Ohio State. Um, if they're seriously trying to trade him, I'll give you a conditional six and a pack of the crisps, and that's about the best you'll get out of that deal to be honest with you so who's your um, pick mark my pick is the giants i think it's clear I, and i fully agree with you actually they've been very competitive they have been trying and getting close i mean it's not i would i would actually rank the giants above the falcons in terms of their performance as a team obviously not the same um just one um, more thing on the game last weekend like of the games we've lost this season i'm not saying you get used to losing you do get used to losing, okay. You don't want to, but with the lose, do you? Ah, well, look, we have we, we've let's be fair, we haven't won many games over the past five years, but that game in particular on Sunday really it there was a there was a it was a sting in that game. It really that one really and the general consensus for most Giants fans is that you talk to, and then you listen to the New York media, that one was tough to take on Sunday because that game was there to be won. We really should have won that game. The, the hated Cowboys and the divisional rival. Um, speaking of divisional rivalries, um, this is my favourite game 
twice a year where Gordon Bridgefield has to divide himself in two through some mass scientist methodology. Um, you know, it's not nuclear fission, it's nuclear, it's not nuclear fusion, it's nuclear fission he's trying to do in dividing himself and dividing the atom of Gordon into two. He's got the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Gordo, head or heart on this one? Uh, got, got to go with both uh, heart and head, and it's 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 with the oh, Steelers. <laughs> no, I go with the Steelers. I think just the way we're playing. I'm really high on Big Ben at the moment. He hasn't performed like unbelievably well at the moment, but he's performing where you want to be at the start of a season after an injury that he's coming back from. So yeah, four and zero. I think we moved to five and zero. I think it's going to be a a tight game. The overs is 51. I think this is potentially one that's going to be actually unders, but uh, yeah, I'm going to back the Brown- uh, the Steelers at minus three and a half. I agree with you, Gordon. I'll go with the Steelers minus three and a half. Um, I just think it's not so much the Steelers, it's the Browns. The Browns are progressing, but it's one of those games. I just don't think they'll have enough to get it over the line. It's not to say they're not doing well and coming on, but it's just one of those games that the Steelers will just just do enough to, to get the win. You know, um, I don't think Big Ben deserves as much credit as Gordo's given him. I think it's actually the Steelers' defense that deserves way more credit. And TJ Watt has been uh, an absolute demon this year. Um, I can't believe I'm saying these words, but I'm going with the Browns. Um, I don't trust Baker Mayfield. I don't trust the Browns. I don't actually know why I'm going with them in many senses, but the Steelers are a little bit, I would say, over-rated, um, uh, and the Browns are doing things. So, yeah, really don't feel comfortable with this entirely, but you give me three points in the Browns, I'll take, I'll take the Browns and I'll hold my nose and pray to God. But, yeah, I'm going to pick them to make a, do a surprise this weekend, I think. Yes, yes. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Wanna go again on that one? Mary? Never made in my life. <laughs> um, the Chicago Bears at the Carolina Panthers then round out the six P. Oh no, there's um, Chicago Bears at the Carolina Panthers and the Detroit Lions at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Might as well take both of them together, guys, because other than the odd highlight on, on uh, Red Zone, I don't think many fans will really want to watch those games. Like, are the Bears going to suddenly go to five and one? Like, is in it's a mad season. Who would have thought we'd be at this stage talking about the Bears in this manner? Uh, against the Carolina Panthers, I, I'm back to that point I made about Matt Rule. I think they are doing some interesting things in the Panthers. They're minus two and a half favorites for this one. I'm going to take the Panthers to win the game against the Bears. When it comes to the Lions and the Jags, to be honest, you can make the pick, flip a coin. I don't really care. Um, I'll go with the Lions minus three and a half, but yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on the Lions. Um, Gordo, yeah, three and a half. I think the Lions have, you know, offensively they're very good at times and I think they'll have enough to beat the Jags. And I'm going to pick the Bears. Um, I think this three-game running streak, uh, winning streak for the Panthers comes to an end this week. I think the Bears' defence is playing quite well at the moment, keeping their offence in games and I think Falls would have enough to that get that offence moving to win that game. So, no, I'm surprised that the Bears are actually not favourites. Um, I'd take the Bears with the points, two and a half. I'm very surprised that line um, Foles does need to reduce his COVID controls around his receivers, in fairness, but um, they're coming off a good win against the Bucs. Um, very competitive and great defensive-driven win. Um, and a mini-buy. Bear in mind, they played Thursday night, so they've had more preparation time. So, Bears all the way for me there. 
and yeah, going to five and one and being a strong contender against the Packers um, in theory anyway or on paper. Um, and you know, D- Detroit, Jacksonville. I hear what you're saying about the Lions guys. I just think Patricia's next on the hot seat, and I think the Jags will help tip in that direction. Minshew magic for me, and I'll take the Jags in that one. Um, we then come to a pretty. It's kind of a, a interesting to me sometimes when you start getting bye weeks, and obviously we got four teams on the bye this week: they, uh, the Raiders, Saints, Chargers, and Seahawks. Um, the 9 p.m. games tend to get shorter. And we only got two this week at 9.05 and 9.25. And the quality can be challenging. So we have one game, <clears throat> the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. And then we have another game, the Green Bay Packers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Which game will you be tuning in for, guys, and watching avidly? Oh, that's, that's, you'd have to stick with Red Zone. You, you, need to get, just, you need to get a bit of the best of both worlds. No, no, no. Stick to the Packers and the Bucks game. It's the game I'm looking forward to the most this weekend. Um, the Packers are moving nicely, coming off a boy. The Bucks have to rebound after that uh, difficult defeat in Chicago. But um, it's the Packers for me. They're minus one and a half. I think it'll be a pick'em game for the weekend. And um, I think the Packers will win that match against the Bucks. Yeah, I'm. I'm really surprised about the line. Is in like I appreciate where we are with the Bucks, and you know, coming off a a tough loss, and no doubt Brady will come back. But it feels like they're. They're giving the line purely based on Brady against Rodgers rather than anything else here because it's a strange one just to be minus one and a half. So, but I, I'm, I'm with you, Brian. I'm with the Green Bay Packers to to win this one. I think this could be one of the bankers as well. I wouldn't call it a banker because I don't trust the Green Bay defense in any way, shape, or form. They've given up a lot of points this year, but the Green Bay Packers offense has certainly been extremely balanced, and it's not all about Aaron Rodgers. It's about Mr. Jones, as the Counting Crows used to sing about, of course, as well. But he is the fuel in their fire this season, and a meaningful running game is making all the difference. So I'll take the pack as well, which would spiral the Bucks to three and three and put them in some challenge, to say the least. The very late game then is the LA Rams at the 49ers. Look, a couple of weeks ago, even, I would say, we would be looking at this as one of the marquee games in the NFC. Certainly NBC, who have the game, would have been saying, this is going to be fantastic. Two massive media markets, a California clash, two great West Coast teams, both in contention. Well, the Rams are certainly in contention. Are the 49ers? Well, they, will, they will be when they get all the players back. But until yeah. that until that happens, you can't see how they're going to win games, especially against the likes of the Rams who are flying at the moment. The line is only three and a half. I'm quite surprised at that. Target would have been around five or six. So, uh, no, I think the Rams will continue to win the streak that they're on and win that game and cover that handicap. Yeah, you have to you have to feel for the 49ers and just the way their season has gone with the injuries, with Jimmy Garoppolo, with everything, because it's just not the way you want to go into your second season after a Super Bowl loss the way they, they, they've done it. So I do feel for them. But I think Goff in, in Los Angeles is playing phenomenally well this season. Uh, he's definitely up there in the, the top few quarterbacks, I think, in the first few weeks. Of performance, but I do think the Rams' defense is playing really well, so I'm going to go with the Rams minus three and a half. Well, why do you why do you feel for them, Gordon? You should be feeling for the Giants. We're zero and five. You're feeling feeling for a team that's come off a Super Bowl. God, uh, love, yeah. God loved them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian. I didn't um, mean, I didn't mean to touch on a sore point there. <laughs> yeah, you have to remember Brian the Gold as a monster fan, so he always likes the team that comes second in uh, tournaments. <laughs> Um, let's, not, let's not talk about monster. 
Um, yeah, uh, for me, it's the Rams all the way. They're, they're, they're comfortably the, the favourites in relation to this game. And, I, and again, it's a, I don't know, I'm wondering if we're missing something, but the Bears line greatly surprised me and the Rams line greatly surprised me. I would have thought there would be a bigger disparity. Um, but we'll see how it all plays out. Monday gives us a bonus double, a Brucey bonus, if you like. Um, as you said, alluded to earlier, Brian, the Chiefs and the Bills games have moved to Monday night at 10, which is nice viewing time for us and should be a super game. And then the Cardinals are at the Cowboys late on Monday night. Um, first game could be a preface of what we come to expect in the playoffs in the AFC this season. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in first. Um, yeah, it'll be a great. It should be a great game, and as you as you alluded to there, yeah, potentially could be even the championship game depending on how it plays out. The Bills are certainly going in the right direction, but a couple of weeks back, a lot of people thought the Ravens would beat the Chiefs at home, and the Chiefs turned up, and I expect to see the same thing happen on Monday. Um, I think the Chiefs will go in to Buffalo and win the game. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm high on the Bills all season. Have been. I think they're going to be five and zero come the end of of tonight. I think going into the game against the Chiefs, I think they continue that win because I think Patrick Mahomes isn't playing the best football at the moment, uh, which is strange to see and strange to say, to be honest. He just isn't, I don't know, he's just not there yet. Uh, but I do think the Chiefs are probably the overall better team. But I do think the Bills, just for some reason, are just playing really, really well at the moment. And I think a lot of big uh, off-season trades and transfers have made them that good. So I'm going to go with the Bills. Uh, to win this game, I'd say it'll be a close game. So I'm going to go with the Bills. I don't know how to best explain this, but, you know, Josh Allen has come out as a big surprise this season. Um, and, uh, yes, has been playing extremely well and we're delighted for him. The Chiefs are coming off a loss and the Bills will be on a short week. And let me bring it back to maths. Um, the classical definition of a right-angle triangle and when you're calculating it, is that the square of the hypotenuse is equal to the square of the other two sides. Patrick Mahomes is the hypotenuse. He is double anything of Josh Allen can bring. The Chiefs will walk this game. I said walk. They are going to walk this game. Um, and then the cards of the Cowboys, guys, I mean, for me, you know, even with the Red Rocket now in charge, uh, Murray had a great comeback of a very disappointing game last week I've been high on the cards you've got to if you're high on them you've got to um, support kind of their idea that they'll beat up a banged up Cowboys having lost their quarterback and leader in Dak Prescott so that's where I'm going for I'm going to say they're going to stay in contention in their very competitive division behind a fast starting Seattle Seahawks and they'll beat the uh, the Cowboys if it was if it was Prescott I'd be picking the Cowboys. The line has dropped actually. It was it's down to two and a half. So the cars are getting, you know, the two and a half point favourites. Like the field goal wins it for, wins it for them a bit. Um, now I think the Cardinals will win the game, but more so because I just don't think Dalton will do enough with the weapons around them to keep up with that Cardinals offense. Yeah, I think uh, Dalton will actually play quite well, but like you say, I think the Cardinals. We've been high on them all off season, Mark. I think Murray still needs to prove himself a little bit in the passing game. He's proven he can run with the ball, but I definitely think with the weapons he has with Hopkins, etc., I'm going to go with the Cardinals to and at two and a half, it, it definitely makes sense. It's going to go yeah. with the Cardinals for this one. Cool. Which brings us to our betting section as well, guys. So, go on yeah. Take it away. 
So again, as everyone knows, that this season the Irish NFL podcast has teamed up with Irish Racing Buddy.ie, and our main own Brian O'Leary has been putting all of his uh, bets across uh, the week five or the first five weeks on social media with the guys Irish Racing Buddy.ie. So you'll find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We had the banker win last week, Brian, which was the Browns at plus two and a half, I think it was. Yeah, plus two and a half. Uh, the guys were delighted. They sent us a nice message in yesterday morning saying, thanks again for another winning nap. And um, the nap this week for me is a game we didn't really go into too much detail on because we got sidetracked slightly by uh, by the uh, Buccaneers and Packers game. But the Dolphins, minus eight and a half points at home to the Jets in the nine o'clock, in the nine o'clock games. The Jets have lost every game this season by a minimum nine points. But Sorry, some nine points or more and... The handicap is kind of aligned to that eight and a half points. Dolphins are coming off a good win against the 49ers. I think they'll have more than enough to cover the eight and a half. And that's the that's the nap for me, the Dolphins. Okay, I think that's yeah, it's an interesting one. I still think against Fitzmagic, if it's a tough one to cover, but I think it's a it's an interesting one for the bank for this week. I might say in terms of your treble, are you are you sticking with the same theory as last week? Or are you leaving your banker out of your treble or are you gonna put leave, it in? Leave the week? banker, leave the banker out, let them fly off. You know, in isolation. And we'll go with a treble this week of the Packers minus one and a half. The yeah. Lions minus three and a half. Mark would be surprised by that. And I'm going to pick the Ravens minus seven and a half away to the Eagles. But I wouldn't be, I'd imagine by the weekend, half seven and a half will come down to about six and a half, seven. So Ravens to cover the handicap against the Eagles. The Lions to cover the handicap. And the Packers. Okay. Really, really good treble there. Um, I was looking at some of the other ones, but I think that out of everyone there, the ones that you would, you, I think the Packers one is going to be a really interesting game. I think that's why the at minus one and a half, it's a, it's a good one to get on. In terms of quarterback bets this week, Brian, did we, we, we didn't have any come in, or we had a few come in last week. Yeah, you know, right at the beginning, Goff at twelve to one anytime, and Kyler Murray, and not ones we put up here, but some separate ones that we we did ourselves. Uh, quarterbacks. Kyler Murray on Monday night, obviously, is a standout one. And then if Cam plays, in fairness, I know I'm joking when I said the Broncos are going to win, but if Cam plays, I'd expect Cam to be rocking and rolling into the end zone. So that would be my double, Kyler Murray and Cam Newton. Anytime. About six yep. to one. Six to one is double. Two, two really good quarterback bets. So as we say again, irishracingbuddy.ie, you'll find all of Brian's bets on their Facebook and Twitter pages. And then you also, I think we're going to start putting them up ourselves on our own social media channels. So you'll find them on Twitter and we're on Facebook now as well, the Irish NFL podcast. So there you go with your Cam COVID special to, to finish it up if, he, if he's playing, obviously, which is, um, uh, you know, dependent on many things but we hope to see it look um we've still got a rocket and rolling season guys lots of disruption to the schedule but the show does go on the show must go on uh, indeed um and still lots of excitement football ahead um until next time therefore and we'll see how week six all plays out um we'll love you and leave you um so good night from gordo good night good night from brian good night thank you And it's good night from me. Take care, everyone.